The Late Night Anger Management Class. This is Fortridge. I am Gable Morenci. The countdown to kickoff uh, is on. The National Football League Division around uh, playoffs rapidly approaching. And it's been such a crazy-ass week, man. We've had so much uh, going on. Uh, basically, the streets are on fire. Um, the NHL is back. Blockbuster deal in the NBA. Um, we've got uh, you know the NFL playoffs on Saturday. And normally it would be like a long week. Oh, when's football going to get here? When's football going to get here? But, hey, it's nearly here. Now it's getting real, real. Like tomorrow night will be our last show uh, before these games. But we will be on Saturday night during the Buffalo Bill game. And I got to tell you, they better freaking win, baby. <laughs> Otherwise, it could be a very hostile show uh, on uh, Saturday, especially if I take the Rams in the game before that, which, uh, quite honestly, I'm seriously considering uh, doing. Um, so we're talking about the point spreads and live movement. There hasn't been a ton of it. There's been a little bit of it. Uh, the fact is the Green Bay Packers are six and a half point favorites still. Total 45 and a half. And isn't that interesting that basically everybody, everybody says that the Rams suck. Jared Goff blows. They're not going to be able to play in cold weather. Aaron Rodgers is the best thing that's ever happened ever. And somehow the point spread isn't going up, is it? So either... It's one of two things, and I like this, too, because, you know, I guarantee you, like, you pull people, 9 out of 10 people said the Packers, so I guess 9 out of 10 people claim they bet and they don't because you bastards aren't moving a number, I'll tell you that much, <laughs> right? So why is it 6.5? How come it's not 7.5? How come it's not more like it opened, it was 7, and it actually came down, all right? But Ram games are always weird, man. Total is 45.5. We'll crunch uh, the treads, the Buffalo Bills. I'll uh, tell you what, there's a lot of numbers about the uh, the Buffalo Bills that are interesting uh, when the Bills are listed as a favorite. And it's, you know, the Bills, 19-2, and two, straight up. 19-2, and two, straight up. The last 21 times the Bills have been a favorite, they've won uh, the game outright. You know, they, what, what it shows is McDermott's a damn good coach, and... The Bills beat teams they're supposed to beat and win games that they're supposed to win. Well, they're favorites in this game. Minus two and a half. Buffalo Bills, Baltimore Ravens, total now 49 and a half. Oh, but the weather in Buffalo. The weather. Yeah, settle down, Grandma. Sports range continues. Bring it. Remember, you can listen to Sports Grid on the radio, TV, satellite, or the internet. To make it any easier, we'd have to move in with you. And nobody wants that. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. TV, satellite, and our mobile app. We make it easy. Like, real easy. In fact, if you're not listening, it's you. It's always you. Slacker. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. Honey, I've got some bad news for you. I know, Marge. I'm waiting for the new XFL season. Who will win this year's million-dollar game? Who? Who? Honey. The X is for extreme. There is no XFL this year. The league folded. Who told you? Last year's MVP. He sweeps up toenails at the beauty parlor. 
Double Free continues. This is Sports Rage. I am Ramsey. Shout out to all of our affiliates, everybody uh, tuning in wherever you are right now, our digital video platforms, uh, as well as the countdown to kickoff uh, is on. Uh, let's uh, take a look at some more numbers um, to help you make your uh, game time decision, so to speak, uh, for these NFL uh, football games. So the Green Bay Packers, this is something that's interesting. As Teddy Covers, it was great having Teddy on earlier, joins us every Thursday. But uh, Teddy Covers uh, brought up, he doesn't want to get in front of Andy Reid um, after a bye. And Andy Reid is like dominant uh, coming out of a bye week. Historically, he always has been. The Green Bay Packers, on the other hand, are actually 0-4 straight up. 0-4 straight up. Their last uh, four games after they uh, had a week off the week before. 1-4-1 against the spread the past six times uh, that it's happened. Yeah, Green Bay Packers were off uh, last week. They did play well against uh, the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Rams, the last two times the Rams um, were on the road and playoff road dogs. They won the game uh, outright. The Rams are 7-2 against the spread, their last nine road games as road dogs. And it goes deeper than that as well. We've talked about this for, like, years. It's the one thing with the Rams that you wouldn't think. That's why everybody talks about, oh, you know, they're going on the road and Jared Goff, it's going to be cold. And, God, it drives me crazy with this. And even Teddy covers. And Teddy's a pretty surly tough guy in real life. But, you know, everyone says the same thing. So, Lou, gambler. Uh, Lou's an old school, like Italian grumpy guy. And Lou lives in Arizona now, but he's actually like from Chicago and like lived in Nebraska and stuff. And so Lou's like a Midwest guy, but lives in Arizona. And he starts talking about how like he gets cold easily now. And oh, it's going to because I said it won't be cold for the Ram players. And he said, oh, let me tell you, I live in Arizona. I was, you know, and and then Teddy drops the same thing. I get cold here in Las Vegas. Like, Guys, you, you guys aren't in the National Football League. You're not 26 years old. You're not running around. You're not in good shape. You want me to go on? You know what I mean? It's as stupid like people saying that as far as weather is concerned. Well, I'm cold, so they're going to be cold. Is like saying that you run a 40 in 6.7 seconds, so they're going to be slow. Like, no, because you're cold doesn't mean that uh, Cam Akers will be cold. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you're cold, like, you know what I mean? Oh, no, but it's where you're from. And, you know, it drives me nuts, man. And I swear to God, I'm going to go out of my way. We've had all kinds of great guests on the show. Coaches, play-by-play -play guys. Uh, did a great job uh, by uh, Matthias uh, bringing in a new rotation of guests onto the program. But we've got to get, like, a couple of former players on. I'll do it myself. Uh, I'm going to get uh, our boy uh, Dave Anderson on. And I'm going to get some other guys, too. We'll get players on. I'm going to ask them about cold. All right. And whether they care about whether it's cold or not. And I'm telling you, I'm willing to bet they're all going to say the same damn thing. They don't care about the cold. They'll say the same thing. They all say you, you walk out in the pregame warm up. You notice, yeah, it's a little cold out. And then the game starts. I don't want to sound like basically like Abraham Simpson here. But guys, like I used to play outdoor hockey when I was a kid in like minus 22. Like literally. And I'm not piling it on now, but I used to walk to the rink with the bag on my back. All right? Like, and it wasn't close. And, oh, it's going to be cold. Yeah, it's going to be cold. Guys, with the technology that they have now, those Under Armour, like the ski stuff, 
That's great stuff, actually. I used to I used to wear it just because it was it's light and you stay stay warm. They have this material now, guys. It's ultra thin. It's ultra thin, and you're hot as hell in it. Like I'm telling you, it's like one of these like ultimate. It's the professional football teams. You think they just go in there blind and oh, you know what? Like they give a choice to players. They'll say, listen, if you're cold, wear this, and it's basically it just look like sleeves to you. But to them, it's freaking warm with the technology and the material and stuff. It's warm to them. Plus, I don't know. I know a lot of people sit on a couch. That's the thing with handicappers. I know you sit on a couch, but, you know, people, like, go out and jog in the wintertime, right? People ski. Like, Ivanka Trump, is she tough? You know, she's flowing down the, the slopes in Aspen. You know what I mean? Oh, but it's cold, right? Yeah, come on. I'm tired of this. It's going to be cold crap. Talk to me when it's actually freaking cold. You know what it is? It's just everyone's such a wuss nowadays. I hate to say it, but it's true. Everyone's just a big wuss with a P. Wussification. Oh, it's going to be cold. Yeah, yeah, well, settle down, Grandma. Um, all right, so Rams are a good road team. 7-2 and two against the spread the last nine times they've been listed uh, as underdogs on the road. Um, the uh, the Packers are very good at home. Nine and one straight up. Their last ten home games, seven and three against the spread, in their last uh, ten home games. Interesting. The over is nine and two in Green Bay's last eleven games played in January, including seven in a row. And everybody loves the under of that game. I don't. I think it's going to go over. So the um, we know that the Baltimore Ravens are on a tear uh, right now. They lit it up uh, during the end of the regular season. Then they got it done again uh, in the playoffs uh, last week, although they didn't play great uh, last week. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, there's not a lot of trends to take because, honestly, what are you going to talk about with the Buffalo Bills? It doesn't matter what Jim Kelly did in the playoffs at home, right? Oh, the Bills are this and that in their last home playoff games. Yeah, what? <laughs> like, they're 0-1 against the spread. All right, let's just call it that. But they were laying big points. They were laying points. They're not really laying points. They just got to win the game. It's up to two and a half right now. The Bills are, are on an eight and one ATS run right now in their last nine games, with the exception being, with the exception being last week when they got backdoored uh, by uh, Indianapolis. I brought this up earlier too. The Buffalo Bills are nineteen and two straight up in their last twenty-one games when they're listed as a favorite, and they're two and a half point favorites, and it's not a big uh, number. All right, so KC are interesting because KC had been burning money. All right, KC had been burning money for the second half of the season. They haven't won by more than six points since November the 1st when they beat the Jets, who incidentally have a new coach in Robert Salah. So the Lions ain't hiring that dude. Never thought they would. Um, so, you know, the thing is with the Chiefs, they didn't really care. And the Chiefs did have big leads off in this year. And then they took the pedal off the medal. But I do say, and I do stand by the fact that the Chiefs haven't tried real hard in a football game for real since they played the Saints a month ago. And they won that game 32-29, to but in, like in that game, they were up big, and the Saints uh, started to come back. Cleveland, listen, if you want to talk about Cleveland uh, numbers, um, you want to talk about Cleveland numbers, none of them are going to be good, right? It's the Cleveland Browns. They don't have any positive trends. How about this? The Browns have lost 16 straight games as double-digit uh, road dogs, scoring 20 points just twice in those 16 games. Ugh. We talked about it earlier, too. Teams that give up more than 30 points in the playoffs like get killed uh, the next week, usually. 
Uh, we've talked about the Tampa Bay and New Orleans uh, trends about beating the same team uh, three times. 14-7 and all-time, 12-5 and five as far as home field is concerned. The team that won the first two games of the year won again uh, to a tune of 12-5. Uh, and five. Tampa have always struggled. Doesn't matter who the quarterback is, they've struggled with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Saints are 8-3 and three against the spread in their last 11 games against uh, Tampa Bay, including... Including, of course, 2-0 ATS uh, this year. Uh, Tampa have Tampa have improved. Tampa are playing their best uh, football. And here's another game where I think there's going to be points. And um, the numbers dictate it. 12-4, Tampa Bay to the over. Their last 16 road games. 10-1, Tampa Bay last uh, to the over. Last 11 division games. 8-3, uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, last 11 games when they're the underdog. Saints have been rolling, too. 7-1 and one against the spread. Last eight games were listed as a favorite, the New Orleans Saints. Pete Annapolis steps up in it. We get a different perspective on the Kyrie saga. Harden and more bring it. Come on. Admit it. You do your own play-by-play in your head when you play horse. Don't you? <laughs> you do you, bro. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. Don't believe us. Never turn us off. You'll see. Keep listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. Sports Race Late Night continues. I am Jim Lebrensen. We're throwing it down. Sirius XM Channel 204 and more. Shout out to all of our radio affiliates, digital platforms, and everybody else in between. Let's bring in our main man. We spoke to Scoop Jackson uh, earlier. Now we're going to get a new uh, perspective on the blockbuster deal. Pete Yiannopoulos, RDS Television, former assistant with the UMass Minutemen, steps up and in, one of our NBA and college basketball insiders and analysts. Pete, always a pleasure, my man. How you doing? Hey, doing great, Gabe. Doing great. NBA's fantastic. Well, it's it's crazy. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, fantastic. That's fan. You know, we can get that. You know, we can get to that a little bit later on. It's been a strange season uh, so far, but it's not. Um, it doesn't lack any drama. Uh, we'll put it that way. So now the dust has started to settle. Right now, there's now a report that just came out tonight that Tillman Fertitta shut down any talks with the Philadelphia 76ers due to the fact that he didn't want Harden to be reunited with uh, with Maury. He didn't want it playing out like that. I don't know if that's the case. Do you buy in that the Philadelphia 76ers are willing to give up Tybal and, of course, Ben Simmons? Or do you think this is just uh, a rumor? Uh, there's no question that Doc Rivers uh, really um, encouraged and really pleaded that he wanted to coach Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons together. Now, having said that, when there's a chance to get James Harden, there are Maury wanted to get him without, you know, with all in a Sixers uniform. I do believe that the Houston's owner, um, there's a lot of remorse uh, with Daryl Maury. Uh, there's no love lost between those two. And I would definitely agree. And it wouldn't surprise me that he would shut down talks. Now, having said that, 
did the Sixers really offer Simmons to get to get Harden, or did he just offer Tobias Harris? I think that will come out very soon. Uh, but at the set, when you look at the trade that they got, yes, the four first round draft picks are great. Um, you get Levert, you trade him for Oladipo. I per- personally would have appreciated more Levert. I think he's a more complete player, a more durable player. But I think that there's no question about it that the Sixers wanted Harden. But at the same time, I think that they will they'll be happy with Embiid, Simmons, and I guess Tobias Harris. I've said it before and I'll say it again, uh, Pete. Trades are a lot like marriages. You can't uh, judge a marriage after the engagement, uh, right? You judge a marriage after a couple of, you know, after years and trades are very similar. Yeah. (laughs) You're a happily married man and congratulations. Beautiful family, uh, Pete. I wasn't so lucky, uh, but that's besides uh, the point. Uh, But so, you know, everybody always said, you know, in the media, we all do it. You see the websites, winners and losers, winners and losers, right, of the deal. We don't know, guys. We'll see how everything plays out. If the Brooklyn Nets win a championship, then they won as far as they're concerned, right? And But right now as it is, I think everybody's pretty happy with what they got. And as you mentioned, listen, Ben Simmons is an enigma. He's a great player, uh, but he could be better. I personally don't think Philadelphia were wanted to give him up. I think this is just, you know, sort of reports, uh, so to speak. But if you're the Houston Rockets, it's amazing to me how many draft picks they got out of this and for how long. And not only that with the draft picks, the first round picks every two years, but the fact that they're able to swap picks if they want with Brooklyn and alternating years all the way through to 2027, that's that's a lot of real estate that they just purchased. They have to bite the bullet right now, but they could fall ass backwards into a couple of really good players over the next couple of years through this. Well, we've seen the same thing materialize with the Boston Celtics. Right when Danny Ainge sent Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce to Brooklyn, um, they got all those assets in return, and the assets were not the players that they got; was the future draft picks that ended up being Markel Fultz, Jason Tatum. Uh, well, they traded Fultz uh, in that pick and got an extra pick, but they got Tatum and Jalen Brown, which were incredible cornerstone players that are going to last for a long time. Again, uh, draft picks are nice. Uh, you're going to probably hit a home run with one or two of them, but you're not going to hit them that much. And when if Brooklyn anticipates being in the top five in the regular season, you're talking about picks between 25 and 30. Nonetheless, I think it's a good uh, haul if you're Houston. You had a disgruntled player, a player that refused to play. Uh, but I guess here it's high stakes right now for Steve Nash. And I hope he studied a little bit of psychology while he was at Santa Clara because he's going to have to really massage some egos there between Durant, Harden, and Kyrie if he ever comes back. But make no mistake about it. Like you just said, they need to win a championship. But I think they need to need more than one. If you're giving up the whole team, the whole farm, uh, I mean, one will be nice is a team that's going to have a lot of pressure because winning a championship game, as you know, is not that simple in the NBA today. And I think that, you know, personally, I love Durant as the one. I love Kyrie as the two and Levert as the three coming off the bench and being humble about it. Kyrie and James Harden are coming off the bench. They're starters and they're going to want the ball. This could be either a home run of all home runs or it's going to be a disaster that's going to blow up in their faces. There's Uh, no in between. Pete and Apple's kicking with us. So, you know, I wonder if this is more than Steve Nash wanted or, you know, the, you know, the cliche bargain for, so to speak. And in a perfect world, 
I guess you could say, wow, this is pretty, pretty lethal. You could say, oh, it's a new dream team, so to speak, or is it more of a nightmare? But we're not in a perfect world. And is James Harden going to change suddenly? He is who he is. He's in his own world. Um, you know, is he going to be late for the team bus all the time? Is he going to skip film sessions? Is he going to be late for the plane? Is he going to be late for practice? Is he not going to play defense? And in Houston, it was all sort of accepted. Oh, and he was a character and he was theirs. New York isn't like that. Uh, you know, Manny Machado was a good baseball player. And, you know, listen, Manny's doing great in San Diego and is very happy. But Manny Machado doesn't run hard to first base all the time and admits it. And he goes, listen, I'm not, you know, I'll pick my spots. when I know when I need to go hard. And I remember people, Yankee fans want him. And Brian Cashman said, won't work here. Right? Mm. Won't work. Like, it's, you, you know what I mean? And. With Harden, I don't know if he realizes this. And another thing is the New York media, Pete, they didn't do like, wow, this is unbelievable. What a roster. They're saying, are you crazy? Didn't you learn last time, uh, New Jersey Nets? You did this all over again? Harden's a head case. Like, Harden is in for a rude awakening. He was treated with kid gloves in Houston by the media and everybody. It's not going to be the same thing in New York. And... And there's a lot of negativity about the deal that they overpaid. They better win the championship if they don't. What was wrong with the team that they had? Kyrie's a head case. Now you're adding another head case into the mix. And I can't argue with any of those points. Can you? I mean, and I was going to say, Pete, like in a perfect world, but it's not a perfect world. Kyrie Irving is AWOL. They're, the Marks is saying, oh, no, no, we spoke to Kyrie and he's happy with this new move and everything. Kyrie Irving isn't happy with anything at, at, at any time. He already wasn't happy. That Kyrie doesn't want to share the basketball. I wonder about the chemistry here, bro, in a big way, Pete. It's going to be difficult. I'll say this. On paper, this looks probably or arguably one of the best big threes of, in NBA history. When you look at the body of work of Durant, Harden, and Kyrie, specifically on the offensive end, and the way basketball is played today, the way it's spread out and spaced out. Now, having said that, who's going to play center? DeAndre Jordan? He wasn't playing any of the games the last five, six games, right? Losing Allen's a big piece. You're expecting Jeff Green to play five-man right now? Joey Harris was great off the bench. He'll probably still come off it. But now, you know, what's his role on this team? Will he ever touch the ball when he's on the court? I still have a little bit of a positive intent. I believe that the maturity of Kevin Durant and he'll be able to bring Kyrie back. And I think he'll tell James, hey, you're going to do what you got to do off the court. But if you want to be considered one of the greatest, change your game and follow me. Now, does James want to do that? He did with Team USA, right? He won a gold medal. He was able to do that. So yeah. I think that Steve Nash is the right coach. It's just because he has that demeanor, that personality, uh, and he has the respect of the players. But like I said, on the court, Miami Heat, 2011, they started 8-9. and nine. It took time, Wade, Bosch, and LeBron, and they ended up losing to Dirk Nowitzki, Deshaun Stevenson, and Jason Terry. <laughs> so the Greek freak is looking at this right now. Um, Drew Holiday is looking at this. And Chris Middleton, I like the fact that all the pressure right now is off Yanis and is off the Milwaukee Bucks. I would love to see those two teams play in a series of Bucks over the Nets right now. Uh, Pete Annapolis with us for a couple of more minutes. So it's, it's interesting because the odds makers have bought in. The Brooklyn Nets are suddenly the overwhelming favorites to win the Eastern Conference, yet it doesn't mean the oddsmakers think they're going to win that. It means the oddsmakers are doing what they think the public uh, thinks. And 
the public always loves flashy teams. And I thought the same thing. This takes pressure off the Milwaukee Bucks. I think it actually helps the Bucks. It takes the focus off of them as the team to beat in the Eastern Conference, takes the national media attention away from Giannis. They could just sort of go back to flying under the radar a little bit uh, right now. You know, you got Philadelphia, who's a flashy story all the time with Embiid and with, with Simmons and with Doc Rivers. I, you know, I think this is this is a positive for Milwaukee, actually. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. Milwaukee have more team chemistry. You know, that's, that's the thing with me. And I wonder about the defense, bro. Where the hell is the defense going to come from? Kyrie Irving doesn't like to defend. Harden doesn't play defense. DeAndre Jordan gets fake rebounds just to pad stats. They're not, they don't have a lot of defense now, this team. No, they're going to struggle. Uh, they're going to struggle with Brown is a guard that's going to give them some minutes. You know, Landry Shaman, it's another guard in that rotation. Um, who's going to play inside? I mean, now you're going to ask Kevin to play four man. You're probably going to end up finishing games with Durant at the five and, and, and have, you know, or a Jeff Green next to him. So I think the depth is taking off, you know, a big hit. I think that defensively, oh, God bless Jacques Vaughn and what he's going to try and do defensively with this unit. I mean, how long is it going to take before James Harden gets in shape? I mean, and, you know, New York is a city that never sleeps. And then it really doesn't sleep when Gabe Morenci moved to New York. James Harden's in New York City, baby. I got to be honest. Las Vegas. Las Vegas is the real city that never sleeps. But that's that's another story. All right, more with Pete Annapolis on the other side. Bring it. You can listen to Sports Grid on the radio, TV, or the internet. Technology Grand. Keep it here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to a different kind of sports talk. We're not just talk about sports, but talk about sports you can use. Get the winning edge. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. The late night Andrew Maxwell class continues. I am Gable Renson. We're throwing it down with Pete Annapolis, RDS television basketball analyst. Uh, our uh, basketball analyst, former assistant with the UMass uh, Minutemen. We're just talking about the Brooklyn Net uh, situation. So, listen, we could go on all night about, like you said, you, you hope that uh, Steve Nash uh, took psychology as well at Santa Clara, besides basketball and beer drinking, uh, which we know he's uh, good at very, he's very good at both. He's very good at uh, both. Uh, but there's also, and you never know what's true. The NBA is a big rumor, sort of gossip type of league. But, Word is that the the Celtics were in the mix, because of course Danny Age is you know anytime there's something going on, that that it was Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart that that's what the Houston Rockets asked for, and they were unable to unable to come to a deal. So it'll be interesting to see what actually is true and what isn't over the next couple of days. There's no question that Danny Age is always trying to you know improve his team. I think that he has to leverage all the assets that he has acquired over the years. Um, I think that the window for the Celtics, again, that window was last year, right? They had the advantage playing the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. They had Tatum playing all-world. Jalen Brown was playing great. Kemba was healthy. They had Gordon Hayward. They they didn't get it done. The decision right now, I guess, was 
was a Jalen Brown for James Harden. And I think that Danny Ainge will see if you really put him on the table. But I think that if you could have gotten Anthony Davis instead of James Harden, Danny Ainge would have given up Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Not quite sure he wanted to do that. Brown and Tatum still makes you competitive for the next, you know, seven to eight to potentially 10 years. But I think Danny Ainge needs to upgrade this team if he wants to get to the next level, specifically the way Brooklyn is shaped up right now and Milwaukee will be shaped up for the next five years as well. Um, I think at the end of the day, we'll find out what Houston had on the table and what was the best offer. Obviously, you wanted him to move out of the West, which did happen. But again, they still have some pieces there. Uh, I'm not quite sure they have enough right now to win a championship. Their window, I truly believe, last year they blew a golden opportunity to get to an NBA Finals. And you never know, especially in a bubble situation. But I think that Danny Ainge really loves the two-way basketball of what Jalen Brown is. Gabe, I'll tell you right now, Jalen Brown's a better player than James Harden right now. Karis LeVert is a better player than James Harden is right now, more complete. So the one team I do like, I like the Pacers. I like what the Pacers did because now you put Levert next to Brogdon, next to Sabonis, next to Turner. I would love to see Indiana Brooklyn in the playoffs, Gabe Barenzi. Yeah, you know what? It's you know the 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 Pacers. It's slow and steady, yet I love what how it's coming together right now. They built something, but they realize you know what? It's just it's gonna it's rinse and repeat. We're good, but we're not good enough, and they've gotten younger. Look at everybody on their team, too. High basketball IQs. Karis LeVert is a smart player. Malcolm Brogdon is a very smart player. I'm a big Brogdon fan. Uh, when they get T.J. Warren back, we know what uh, Sabonis is doing uh, right now. Really have to like this team, right? Like, they don't have superstars, but everybody on their team is good. And it's kind of sort of Raptor-like from a couple of years ago. It just sort right. of reminds me of, like, yeah, you don't have, like, that superstar player, but... Man, they got five to seven guys that can all play defense, that can all drop 23 if they have to uh, on a spot. I mean, look at Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon's not a natural scorer type of player, Pete, right? He's not a natural scorer, but you're seeing he can when he has to, and he's just a great defender and all-around player. And now Karis LeVert uh, going there. You and I have both been raving about Karis LeVert for a long time. Great situation for him to land in with the Pacers. No, no question about it. And I think when you look at Milwaukee, I mean, they had to make a decision with Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, they kept Eric Bledsoe, which was obviously the wrong Big they mistake. Should, they should have kept Brogdon. <laughs> Can you imagine if you had Brogdon with Giannis and Middleton, and then if you would acquire Drew Holiday, wow, then you'd be really in the mix and, and competing for that championship. But at the end of the day, I think the Pacers are not really favorites to come out of the East, but they're somebody that you don't want to play in a best-of-seven series. They're younger. Yeah. They're tough. Um, but again, the Eastern Conference right now, it's shaping up. That's going to be very telling and very interesting. The key question right now is what the hell happens with Kyrie Irving? Is he going to come back? When is he going to come back? And what type of state of mind will he be? He was on a Zoom call on a reform uh, platform uh, the night of a game that his team is playing. I'm telling you this right now, Gabe. Guys are sitting out for personal reasons. Guys are doing what they want. Guys are quitting on teams. The owners are not saying a word right now. But believe me, when the collective bargaining uh, collective bargaining agreement ends and the negotiations start, they're going to be ruthless uh, with the players and their union. It's getting a little carried away right now. And I brought it up earlier. And I understand, you know, a death in the family. And I'm not, I'm not cold to it, right? But... I'm just, you know, Alex Len, not a superstar player, but nevertheless, out due to personal reasons. 
and we hear every night personal reasons, and and it's it's out of control right now uh, in the NBA. It, it just it just is out of control, and we'll see we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. But as you stated, you know you, you these teams are shorthanded on a nightly basis this year. That's a problem for the NBA. The schedule is merciless as well. There's you know without a doubt the schedule is definitely merciless, but. It's affecting the product uh, this year. As somebody that loves the game, we break down the games before the games and we try to bet on these games, but I got to hit refresh 99 times, Pete, to figure out who's playing. It's tough. It's tough. And, you know, it, it will always be a player's league. And if you don't understand that and you don't appreciate that, that's fine, but you got to accept it. And the players will always decide and dictate what they want to do. But at the same time, it's tough for fans. It's tough for the owners. You know, guys are just sitting out and, and the media you know, there's some media that, that refuse even to call out some of those players because, you know, they're partners with the team. So uh, at the end of the day, let's see how the players react over a 72-game season. Can they stay somewhat healthy? Can the season remain uh, without not too many postponements? But at the end of the day, you're trying to win a championship. And right now, I think there's about, you know, realistically six or seven teams that believe that they could win a championship. The Lakers on the other side look strong. The Clippers do as well. In the East, I think it's Brooklyn and Milwaukee. But then you have some of these other teams that, hey, they believe if they can get in a best of seven series without any fans, throw that home court out the window. That's why we saw the Miami Heat make an NBA final. They had no business making an NBA final if there was a regular NBA with about 20,000 fans uh, in the arenas. I am Gabriel Renz. We're kicking it on Sports Rage Late Night, Sirius XM Channel 204. Kicking it with Pete Yiannopoulos, former assistant UMass Miniman RDS television basketball analyst. So, Pete, we had uh, Scoop Jackson on uh, earlier. And Scoop's been around a long time. You know, he you know he talks to people behind the scenes. And as you just mentioned about uh, Kyrie Irving, so he was on a conference call and a Zoom, a Zoom call while they were playing. Uh, for social issues, right? For for so, social issues. You remember last year, he didn't want to play due to social issues, of course, which I don't have a problem with, all right? Number one, I don't have a problem with Kyrie Irving if he wants to become an activist. But we're getting to the point, as you just talked about, it's, you know, there's a level of patience we can only go so far in which if you want to, you know, you can't be an activist and get paid and not play. And last year, ironically enough, he got paid even though he did, wouldn't have played. Remember he said, I wouldn't have play, played even if we could play, but he was hurt. So he got paid even though he said he wouldn't have played. Now he's still getting paid right now. And Scoop Jackson brought it up uh, earlier, Pete, in which he said Kyrie Irving is deep into what's going on in America right now. And what happened at the Capitol has rattled him. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't like the, you know, the double standard. If, you know, how how white protesters and, and you know, invaders, whatever, there were some protesters were treated. He was affected by the, you know, the, the killings over the summer, if you remember the pandemic, which is all fine. But either compartmentalize, you know, departmentize it and during the day do these calls and the Zoom meetings and community meetings and whatever the hell you want to do. But you got to show up for work or step aside, bro, because this can't go on forever. You know, when I was at UMass, um, you know, one time Dr. J came by and visited our campus and, you know, he talked to us about a number of things. But the one thing he said about playing in the NBA and when you're a pro, he says you have to be and always remain a professional. And right now, Kyrie Irving is under contract 
by the Brooklyn Nets. He has to be a professional and honor his contract. That means showing up to practice and showing up to games. Now, you're allowed to have injuries. You're allowed to take some time off if you feel you're not 100%. But don't be doing other things when you have a contract to honor and play. And I think that's the fine line that, first of all, Steve Nash, uh, Sean Marks, the ownership group of the Brooklyn Nets, this is a hot topic. If this continues, I mean, wow, uh, here's a guy that's, you know, partying yeah. up with his sister. He's partying. Maskless. So one NBA night partying, union. maskless. Yeah. One night maskless, and now another time during the game, you find out that he's on a, a community conference Zoom meeting. You know, like I say, he's not in a strip club, but still, bro, you have a job. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to be an activist, be an activist. But you got to, you know, you still have to show up. And as you stated, I and Steve Nash isn't helping the situation. I don't blame Steve, but he basically said when he can dude, it's New York. He's getting asked every day about this. And finally, he goes, I don't know. He doesn't talk to me. He goes, I don't know. I texted him. He never got back to me. And and then supposedly he's in contact with Sean Marks. What does that say, bro? The Kyrie won't even return Steve Nash's text, bro. It's not like Steve Nash is Bill Belichick or Vince Lombardi yelling at him, right? Like, wh- where are we at with this? You're a head coach at any level. Your players report to you, right? <laughs> there's a level of respect and there's a level of accountability. He's reaching out to his player and he won't even respond back. How do you want to coach this guy? And listen, I get these guys have interviews all the time. Gabe, you know, you and I do this for a living. And sometimes, you know, context and a sentence can get misconstrued. But he did go on record as saying that, hey, we don't need a head coach. Kevin could be the head coach one night. I could be the head coach. He did say that. And when he says every single other thing that he said over the years, this is a microcosm that keeps getting worse and worse. I'm telling you. Um, if they can get rid of Kyrie and get some sort of return for him, I mean, they should pull the trigger. They won't. I don't think any other team in the NBA uh, right now would want to take on Kyrie and that salary that he's owed, but they need to rectify this. Steve is playing it the right way for now, but this could get really expedite in the wrong way pretty quickly. And what happens, and we got about a minute and a half left with Pete, you know, it sets a bad precedent as well in the room because now... What happens if KD says, I need a couple of, and KD's not the same type of guy, but it just opens the door for everybody else right now to act and disrespectfully towards the coach, the organization. And it's amazing to me because, and I, you know, and we talk about it, Kyrie's not a bad person. He's not a mean dude per se, but he's incredibly disrespectful to people that are paying him. And now you bring in the most disrespectful player in the NBA to his teammates. And there's a common theme here, guys. Trevor Ariza, Chris Paul, Westbrook, anybody that played with Harden. I haven't heard one person say anything nice about him. Oh, you know what? Yeah, he didn't show up for the film session in the playoffs. Yeah, he left us on a tarmac once. Oh, yeah, the time that we waited in the bus for 40 minutes for him to show up. The time he didn't show up for practice. It goes on and on and on. And it's not like he's showing up to a disciplined culture. I tell you what, uh, Pete, uh, you and I have said a lot about LeBron. We got to get out of here. But starting to respect this guy more and more for the stability, bro. And I tell you what, he might want to pad his stats and break all the records. But this son of a bitch shows up every night, man. He plays 36 minutes. And I tell you what, they're winning. They're winning games. Pete, time always flies when we're talking ball. It's always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Thank you, Gabe. 
Indianapolis stepping up and in with a sports rage late night. The late night anger management class continues. do this 24 hours a day working hard to bring you the news you can use get on the grid we are the sports grid radio network sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Listening to the source of live odds, line, matchups, injury reports, and news you can use. But we just call it the winning edge. Keep it here. There's plenty to go around. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Jackson, Alex Smith, as well as Teddy Covers. Teddy, as uh, we threw it down. So we've got one more show tomorrow night. Uh, well, we'll be on Game Time Decisions uh, tomorrow evening with the Raging Redhead Cam Stewart at 6 o'clock Eastern Time, breaking down all the Friday night action. But we'll have a full house uh, with uh, Joey Odessa. Uh, returning to the rotation, Joey Odessa will talk mixed martial arts, UFC card. We'll hit this uh, with Matias uh, tomorrow night as well. Uh, we're going to have um, Cousin Sal stepping up and in with his NFL uh, best bets. And uh, Mick Aussie, always an adventure uh, with Mick. So we talked a lot of NBA tonight, even though uh, so Robert Salah is the new head coach of the New York Jets. Urban Meyer is the new coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, we talked um, talked a lot about the division around playoffs. We're going to really tighten things up tomorrow night. We'll have our final picks. And I like the way that the, uh, I like the way that the book, uh, FanDuel, has already posted props for the game. So, you know what, in the overnight hours tonight, I'm going to start uh, doing some research as I said, your main man Andrew McKinnis is up in the late night hours kicking in our chat. What's up, McKinnis? We'll speak to McKinnis uh, next week. Talk some pucks. So, as far as hockey, little overnight tip, guys. So, we're two nights into the National Hockey League and the overs. So, 15 games have been played and nine of them have gone over the number. So, it's nine and six to the over, but more. More critical than that is the first period overs. So the first period total is always one and a half, okay? And, you know, you might have to lay juice. You know, tonight, like, we played it in a bunch of games and it was ranging from minus 130, 120 to minus 142 type thing. It could start to go up, but through 15 games, it's 11 and four. First period over one and a half Goals scored in NHL games through two nights of play, 11-4 to the over. 